new season of 24 is here. But where are all the 24 fans? They're over on Facebook. Go join them now before time runs out. It's the best 24 Legacy fan club ever. Check out 24legacyfans.com and take part in the best 24 Legacy fan experience. 24legacyfans.com. That's 24legacyfans.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The detail of common sense can be found in any one of my jaunts onto YouTube during the week. How to do this. What to learn from that. How to make the best of general things when all things go wrong. And then there's what's transpiring during this Inhumans series thing. We thought we had some interesting experience during our last episode capture, but... Sit back, true believers. It's time to leech even more detail, shock, and WTF moments during this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, this time focusing solely on Marvel's Inhumans on ABC and Hulu streaming. Episode 5, something caca. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. <laughs> We're into yet another episode of not quite sure what we're capturing, but it certainly is fun. Some quick housekeeping as we get involved. <laughs> Greetings to all of my newfound friends at FinCon, a podcast convention dedicated to financial podcasters. This episode, of course, coming to you after that convention in Dallas recently. I appreciate meeting everybody, but more importantly, I appreciate the efforts of one Steve Stewart who is the FinCon Podcast Network Director. Y'all can visit him right now over at stevestewart.me. Be sure you send him a note of thanks, but more importantly, pay attention to what he's creating over there. It's something special for sure. Star Wars is coming. Nick, are you ready for this next Star Wars film? I am indeed. Are you? What do you look most forward to? Some Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, what else? People firing lasers and shit. Lasers and shit. Gotcha. Well, I'm looking forward to the review of each and every one of the original classic Star Wars films. What does that have to do with the new movie? It has everything to do with the new movie because... Well, tell me, Mike. Before the new movie... It's great that you asked me that question. Before the new movie comes out, there's going to be two guys talking StarWars.com, where Colonel Christy Giuseppe, Lieutenant Pat Doring, and I will be running through the review of each of the first four films. So that's Rogue One... Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. 
Check those all out over at Two Guys Talking Star Wars. But more importantly, tell us what you guys are expecting with this new Star Wars movie coming out in December of this year. I realize we're a little bit discombobulated because of content focus, but it's time to review this episode, episode five of Inhumans. Kaka! Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Post-coital review bonanza. You know, I thought it was interesting that we would have Karnak telling us some details after he'd been thumped on the head. I thought it was even more interesting where, instead of paying attention to a very attractive young woman that was wooing him in the ocean last episode. I, I thought, thought that that was an interesting little note. But it looks like we've got into a completely new realm of all things interesting with our post-coital review bonanza from Karnak inside this episode of Marvels and Humans. That word you use. Uh, Which uh, one? Kaka! Well, no. no. Okay. Never mind. I was trying to make a princess jo bride joke. That word you mean. I don't think it means what you think it means. Oh. But never mind. <laughs> it's all right. Did he just deflect the bullet into her? What an excellent superhero showcase we have here with Super Karnak, who knows where everything goes every single time he intervenes. Can you karate chop a bullet, Mike? Uh, I can try, but I'll miss because I have no superhuman powers. More importantly, I won't be able to deflect it into somebody else with my arm. If he was Karnak and not banged on the head living in the ganja farm Karnak, he would have been able to karate chop that bullet and it would have gone down into the ground and nobody would have gotten hurt. So are you saying if he didn't need a medical exemption for marijuana, he would have been able to appropriately deflect this bullet? No, no. If he hadn't been hit on the head, oh, like I oh, said, okay. I've said time and time again, Karnak is probably one. Of, he's his power allows him to pretty much do and get out of and come up with anything. All right, but how do you deflect a bullet with skin and bone? It's physics. So what does he worry about getting shot for? Well, he can the, still get hurt. He got hit on the head, dude. He well, can still bleed. Right, I know that. But like, if he could get but shot and Karnak. nothing happens, why not catch the bullet instead of deflecting it into her? You don't catch bullets. That's that, that's just Hollywood hogwash right there. Mm. You karate chop bullets. Karate chop bullets. Okay. Is this your ultimate defense of this point that you had, you had broached about inside the sound check of this episode? Here's the thing. <laughs> I was you expecting were reading, something solely interesting. If you interesting. were reading a comic book <laughs> and a character did that, you wouldn't question it at all. Sure I would. Would you? Yes. What powers does Alien that... Alien from the moon who has the power to see the weakness in everything, which means he has the ability to know exact, the exact spot to hit a moving bullet with his hand in a karate chop motion that will deflect it not only from him, but keep him from harm. That is how powerful his, his abilities are. Now, of course, his abilities are all, they're, they're not quite there yet. He's getting better. Well, it's but good that not he's getting better. yet. Right. But because it deflected and went into Ganja Girl. 
Ganja girl's liver. It was right above the liver. <laughs> oh, okay. Right above. It's right okay. above the liver. Sorry, just shove a finger in her. You'll be fine. <laughs> Backseat dramatics. No, not the kind you're thinking of. Inside this episode, we see Medusa providing an interesting series of interpreting samples from Black Bolt's use of the letter R, which is the sponsor of this episode of the Inhumans Review during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Uh, this was reasonably terrible. It is a piece of unneeded exposition, all of which we know already. What, what is it we learned from the exposition scene inside the back seat that we didn't know? Louise learns. Oh, well, as long as Louise gets educated out of the show, we're fine. Well, unless she's going to drop dead within the next few minutes. Hey, hey she needs, you don't know, man. She needs to be informed. She's going to ask questions. That's the thing. She's going to ask questions. We may already know these answers to the questions that she's asking, but she doesn't know. Plus, for people who don't have decent attention spans, <laughs> this reminds them, hey, you remember that episode four weeks ago? Well, we're, we're talking about it again. I'm not saying it's good. Any exposition scene not handled well is forced. Whether it takes place in the beginning of a story, the middle of a story, or even towards the end of a story. Well, I shall help then. This is bad. <laughs> this is really bad television. This is one of the worst exposition scenes. And I, I can tell you with definitive experience in, involved, the elegance of the sign language being used by Black Bolt has dropped by about a factor of a thousand. The repetitive nature of what he's doing here, it, it's hard to watch as a, as a former sign language interpreter because it, I realize I'm not fluent in whatever language he's speaking, but him using the same two or three hand signs, shapes, and movements to mean these other different things, it, it makes him look like less than Rain Man. And it's it's difficult to watch this whole this whole thing in the back that's transpiring in the back of this car is difficult to watch. Well, as a not you were enthralled a, a, a sign language interpreter, I had no problem with this because it's not sign language as we know it. It is a shorthand between two people who have grown together over the last probably twenty years. That is, that's one of the reasons why you, you say there was a, there's a decline. He's with Medusa now. He doesn't have to try so hard. They have a shorthand. I'll, I'll defend the show when it needs to be defended. This is very similar to Scott Summers and Jean Grey's telepathic link. They have a bond. They've, they spent so much time together as young adults. They fell in love. They, they, they developed a psychic rapport. They were basically in each other's head at all times. They knew what the other one was thinking. They knew if the other one was in trouble. This is similar to that without the psychic link, of course. But these are two people who have been together for a very long time, have developed a shorthand. I'm sure that Medusa can even read certain facial expressions and the way Black Bolt uh, has his eyes lilted down or if he's squinting or maybe if there's a, a, a curl of, of a lip, I'm sure that means something. 
to her. To us, it's, it looks like he's about to sneeze. But I had absolutely no problem with it. Smashing the comlink. Your thoughts on this, Nick? We've been smashing the comlinks this entire series. Right. I can tell you a really great way to extend the time to find people that might be on the planet, though. And it would be to that's smash assu- the comlink. Ah, that's <laughs> assuming they have another comlink, though. Does Crystal have a comlink? No, she does not. We so, therefore... So, smash yours? Well, smashing the comlink now means Maximus can't get a pinpoint on them. That's why she smashed her original one in episode two. Again, no, it, make, it makes perfect sense to smash the comlink. Poor Louise. Now, Louise wanted to take a look at the technology. Oh, she can still look at it. Well, yeah, but well, it's pretty much useless. Uh, here's another question. Why can she read it? What happened to all the it's from the moonness? Well, she never got to look at it. Right, but if she did, what would happen? We got to, we got to look at it. It all looked like it, we could actually read this stuff, didn't it? Or did I not? never saw I never saw a, actual writing. I only saw a map. When it got unfolded, wasn't there yeah, some language on there? It was unfolded, and there was like a map, and there was two button or two dots. There well, was a line, and it looked like there was some of that nice little Coulson scribble. When he was crazy, the stuff that we've we've seen on the walls of Adelaide. Actually, I think what we should do is we should call the audience here and let us know. If hey, you guys, audience! If you guys, while not sleeping throughout this episode, actually recognize or in the previous episode, recognize that there was actual writing and/or English scripting inside of the screen on the comlink. Let us know what you know by going to our Facebook presence. That's Facebook.com/forward/slash/shieldpodcast. Start a thread on it there, or. Do something. <laughs> Do something to make anything more entertaining than what we're getting here instead of television. A character being built for four episodes dies. No, I'm not talking about anybody from the power troop, though that does happen inside of this episode. I'm not talking about any of the five heroes that are developed inside of this series. I'm not even talking about any of the ancillary characters that have been developed in this. I'm talking about one of the crazy, useless ganja folk gets murdered for no particular reason, except it's time for murder, murder. No, no. No, and, no. No, there was there was reason for murder. And we don't care. In fact, this is where we would run through a laundry list of characters inside this series again, and if they, too, were standing at the lip of the 12-foot chasmus hole that's, that's, been, that's been dug for what's-his-name Dougie, <laughs> then... And everybody gets shot and put into it and buried over. I don't know that we care. This, <laughs> I really... this scene makes perfect sense. It's just he's an idiot. I, I mean, as soon as Mr. Mister Cartel says, show me where the body is, I was like, oh, he's going to kill you. And guess what? He did. And he even said, I don't trust people who kill their partners. Okay. I get I, I get that. As all, Bad business. as all of his partners look at him after killing a partner. <laughs> yes, but it's a bad partner. That partner killed a partner. Let it be a lesson. It's like it's like killing a cockroach and putting it on a toothpick and putting it in your home as an example to all the other bugs. You come in here, you know, this is going to happen to you. I was just thinking that this morning when I put a, a cockroach on a toothpick in front of all, where the, the highway where the all the other cockroaches traipse throughout my home. I was thinking exactly the same thing. That's amazing. I'm glad the impaler when it comes to bugs. 
When in doubt, insert Locus. H- how does Locus's power work exactly? Kaka! Kaka! And then there's this strong directional pull towards whatever the kaka is. Well, that's a that's a watered down, simplistic way that they've explained it. But basically, yes, when she is told to find something mm-hmm. or she someone, goes, burr, 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 makes her little Aquaman sound, right? And it finds it and pings and, back, and, and now it, she's it directionalized. And she can go that it. direction. I mean, it doesn't pinpoint exactly but she knows in what direction to start going and that's why she has mm. to keep on doing the caca caca see if she's getting closer farther away and things like that it was a very specific power It'd be kind of like i can make really really good peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on command well in in a sense my god mike make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yes sir right away sir it's it, in a sense it's mm, creamy nutty goodness right Instead of having a tracker who can smell a scent or can see a footprint that's, you know, hours old under brush and shit like that, this was a little bit something different. Instead of having an inhuman on a leash, you know, go go, go find them, you know, saber tooth. Oh, I can smell them. They went this way. It's it's different. It, it's actually something we haven't seen. I appreciate that. Now, she's a lackluster character. She had two bits of dialogue in this episode that actually meant anything, and that's towards the end of the episode. When she dies. Right. Well, before she dies, when they're having the argument, and then when she dies. All I can say to that is... <laughs> there is a path... To get it out. A very interesting scene here. This is where human bullseye target woman. Karnak the Amazing. Karnak the Amazing decides to stick his finger in this woman at least one other time. This time from the back. And extrude a bullet. He didn't stick his finger in her. How did he extract the bullet? It's a pressure point. That just pokes out a a bullet. He walked you through it. He said, there's two ways we can do this. I can go in through the front, sticking my finger into the wound, which will surely Cause infect infection. it. Right. right. Okay. Or we can make an incision in the back. I go in through the back and we pull it out there. But there now we got two no, open wounds. Right. We got two open wounds. Yeah. Not going to do that. Right. Neither one of not those is something that he wanted to do. Not going to so, do that. Since he's feeling a little bit better, he started using his, his whammy power. And found the exact point in which he needed to strike on her back with the exact amount of pressure that he needed. To poop the bullet out the other. To poop the bullet to the point to where it was right there in the front to where he wasn't digging inside of her and causing infection. Again, makes perfect sense when you know Karnak's ability in the comic books. This is shit that he could do blindfolded. But again, we maybe that would have impressed me more. At, well, at this but again, point. we've been given neutered version of these characters, <laughs> and I don't, I don't even understand what like, how. What if like her her liver popped out of it because the powers aren't quite up to snuff yet? You're actually getting to see Karnak the way that he's supposed to be seen, Mike. Stop. stop <laughs> how would I know? Stop. Exactly. See, that's the thing. You, you, how even how though you are a comic book guy, you don't know the Inhumans. I don't. And. 
people who read the comic books and know the Inhumans, this show is, I mean, it's a travesty. Can, but, can you but, imagine if there's no Nick inside of this and there's just like another Mike Wilkerson sitting across the table? I don't understand and, why you guys would even be reviewing the show then. Well, because it's something Marvel-based. That's it. That's kind of yeah. where I'm going with all of these reviews, and in particular, during these really, really bad episodes, why we're even bothering to review it. Mm-hmm. If, if last episode, and again, my apologies to everybody that needed to endure our last episode that, frankly, I thought was more entertaining than the actual show. It was. If that's Listen what to our show. To be, it's yeah. more entertaining. If this what if this is what needs to happen so that people understand why this does not work, then this is what needs to happen. Because I guarantee you there are more people like me uh-huh. that know nothing about any of these characters that now know that not only do we not know anything about them, they're not the same Inhumans that we've been seeing for the last two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. These Inhumans have nothing at all to do with the Inhumans that are on Earth, except that both experience something during terogenesis. Mm-hmm. Period, paragraph, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's kind of the perspective I'm taking here. So, is, yes, there is a path to get it out. And I can even wrap my mind around that. I can go, okay, in a world where all things needed to happen right or doom happens, okay, that's a pretty interesting world. Okay, well, that's what Karnak paints, right? Right. Okay, fine, no problem. So, somehow, he's going to take his hand... And his knowledge of pressure points, because everybody that is from Asia knows everything about pressure points. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's not from Asia. He's from Adelan. Remember, alien. Oh. Just because he looks Asian, that's speciousists. <laughs> uh, fair. I will take that as fair. Anyway, he went to... Moon acupuncture school and learned all of the great benefits that we hear also on Earth, in particular those of the, uh, yes, I look like I'm from Asia someplace Ness also have, asterisk, don't want to offend anybody. That's what happens. I get it. That I understand. But that we have to have any of that play in between what is happening and what you see on the screen is a tilt moment. It's an absolute tilt moment. The interpretation of these characters has been wrong from the very beginning. And it continues inside of this. That he's able to make all these interesting plays and dynamics and and awesome is awesome. But when he does them and they don't work at all, like deflecting the bullet. It half worked. He he was fine. (laughs) Oh, so and it, that was really the point, was him being fine. That, that, no, From the very beginning. Now, if we go back to the beginning, that's Let's what go I was back thinking. To the beginning. Is, that's what I was thinking. It was like, well, hey, I deflected the bullet and I didn't die. What do I care? See a lady I had 20, 24 hours ago, walks off and leaves her to bleed to death. That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to somehow just toss her in the same hole because she can't be saved because they're too far away from the hospital. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Evidently, you didn't pick this up over the last couple of episodes. So what Karnak has learned with his ability being (laughs) shut down for a while is humility. Yeah, yeah, I I know it's it's there in the subtext because he was pretty much a prick when we first meet him. And that's, uh, again, that's the problem. We didn't get enough time spent with these characters before they were were whisked away to Earth. Had we spent, had we spent two episodes on the moon in Adelan learning who these characters are, their quirks, their personalities, 
then tossed them on, then made did, did the whole fish out of water thing, it'd be a little bit more understand. We would understand why the characters are acting the way we were. It's one of the things we've talked about, the common sense factor. But we don't know these characters, and we've actually had to piece the fact that these characters know nothing, or at least very, very little, about Earth culture. Had we spent more time getting to know them, instead of, in this episode, seeing flashbacks that show, oh, Karnak's the smart one who fixes everything, and Gorgon's the big idiot who breaks it all. Oh, boy, they're a pair. We get three. We get two flashbacks that show that, and then the opposite happens in the episode. Well, wouldn't it have been better storytelling to actually see that in the beginning so that now that Karnak has realized, wow, I'm not, you know, my, I'm not the greatest thing since sliced bread. I've learned a little bit of humility. Thank you, Gorgon, for coming in and saving me. I, I think it would have been, it, it should it should have been, that's the way it should have been. St the storytelling would have been a hell of a lot better if that's what they would have done. But of course, storytelling has been off the rail not in a good way since the credits opened in episode one. Right. Well, and there's a, something else that's missing inside this episode that I think paints Karnak specifically in a weird light. Inside of the the pre-headshot Karnak land, there is the land of goodwill hunting language that appears in the sky next to his head. Right. Blah, whatever. Yeah. Analyzation stuff. Awesome. None of that happens here. Nowhere. Interesting. That they've evidently decided not to show that anymore. <laughs> or they ran out of money. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But just, you know, somewhere in the in the span of wanting to save money on hooveness, somewhere in the span of neutering all of the heroes, there should have been some budget to annotate. You know, his eyes glow yellow. You hear a... Something. When, when the, they, they pan in close to him and you can kind of see him look like he's freezing. And maybe, you know, <laughs> the icon of two gears meshing together. Something. Something. There, something. there has to be something. When you start with something, you can't halfway through your show just decide. <laughs> not have it anymore. Oh, they don't need to see that anymore. We're right, done. Right, right. And, and the, for those of you that might have a different connotation for the word Karnak, do you know what there, another connotation for the word Karnak is? Back in the 1970s. Oh, so we're talking about uh, the, the mentalist. Johnny Carson, right. Karnak from, from, yeah, from yeah. late night television. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know Karnak. Well, and that was awesome because it's not unlike what we're supposed to be doing here. The difference is that with a robe, a turban, and an envelope, Johnny Carson is able to convey more appropriate superpowers for longer than anything shown inside of Marvels and Humans. Uh, did the finger go into her or just apply pressure? I realize that we've already talked about this inside of the we've last covered this, Mike. 25 minutes of you and I going over the last point, I know. But I wanted to focus on it again because I think that there's a finger that he's using to shove into the back of her. That's Yeah, but there's no hole. I know that. Well, yes, he did use his, he used his fingers. Fingers. Pressure. Bullet. So like the one inch punch from the back of the liver to yes to poop the bullet out. Yes, got it. And is this one of his his renowned secret powers inside of the inside of the Inhuman comic book series? He Mr. learned it from Mr. a fortune Mr. cookie. Expert from a fortune cookie. He learned there was There's a, a the, diagram. The, there was a diagram <laughs> on the back of the fortune awesome. cookie. There's yeah, a diagram on a fortune cookie. Hey man, why are you using the words fortune cookie? They don't have fortune cookies on the moon. 
Moon cookies. Moon cookies. <laughs> Lunar cookies from Adeline. Ding, ding, ding. Just like Mama used to make. I see what you're trying to do here. Hey, when in doubt, have a semi-horrific scene and shove a scalpel in some poor black dude's eye. Awesome. Oh, brilliant, Scott Buck, brilliant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Blah. There's nothing it's... wrong with this scene. It, 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 it happened. Mr. Assistant shouldn't have picked up that scalpel and shouldn't have tried to attack crazy in leather. <laughs> Not in leather. Not in leather anymore, but guess what? <laughs> He got his ass handed to him, and he got a scalpel through the eye. Lockjaw need nappy. <laughs> so Lockjaw's coming off a, a round of staph infection antibiotics or whatever the hell's going on with him. And he's busy transporting Super Dude and Crystal to the beach because, of course... Gotta get to the beach, man. I'm from Hawaii. I've never been to the beach, dude. So he takes him there, and then Lockjaw bends off at a quarter to lick his crotch and take a nap. <laughs> I, I don't... I, what a waste of a character again. I, I would like to just sit and watch Lockjaw play fetch with himself for, for 43 minutes, then watch what we're watching here. Well, Woo. it wasn't. It wasn't like they just. Woo. It, it it wasn't. Woo. I'd rather watch that for forty three minutes. Okay. Well, uh, again, I don't know why you're picking on Lockjaw here. Lockjaw is not the problem. Uh, Crystal and 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 Surfer Dave had Dude. Lockjaw pop them over the entire island. It's said in dialogue. We've been all over this. We've been all over the entire island. Do you know how long that would take to drive? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would it so be more means, entertaining if they were driving? That means that Lockjaw made several different teleportation trips. Now, I'm not comparing Inhumans to mutants, but I will tell you this. One of my favorite X-Men characters, a teleporter named Nightcrawler, has the ability to port to a, to a certain extent by himself, mm -hmm. distance-wise. Mm -hmm. He can only do it for so long... Now add people on there. Now that that takes, takes strain. Yes. Now I'm going to put that onto Lockjaw. Okay. I'm going to assume that teleporting multiple people all over the island, probably at least four or five times, probably wiped them out. Can we have Lockjaw transport us to the land of awesome story? I really wish we could. <laughs> Can we have Lockjaw transport us back to, I don't know, four and a half, or I'll tell you what, have him transport us back to about a year ago when the green light was given for this television program. Because I would love to use Lockjaw to have an intervention with the writing staff. We would need, we, uh, teleportation <laughs> doesn't work where time travel is concerned, Mike. We need oh. a time traveler. Okay, well, get right on that. See if it's in Lockjaw's collar or something. I don't know any. No idea. Time traveling in humans. All all the time travelers I know are mutants. What are mutants again? I've I forgot. Using a short range weapon against long range weapons. Nick, if I've got a gun, tell you what. If I'm three people, good God, and all three of us have guns, would, yep. would you mind telling me what the probably most useless tool you'd want to have is? 
A cell phone. <laughs> a cell phone. Awesome. At least you could call. Because you're going to shoot me before I get <laughs> I, I, I get to dial nine one. Ah, oh, dead. Thanks a lot for executing well, me. I'll tell you and what. The other two Mike Wilkerson's. Uh, yeah. In your, in your <laughs> with, posse. with guns. In my posse of gun posse. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what else is a really terrible weapon choice, or in regard to defense of long range weapons. A big stick. Not so awesome. All so depends all of on his... how you use it. <laughs> That's what he needed to do. He just needed just needed to go over and bend all of them over and, and, and have sex with them to death. That would have been awesome. Would have taken That's... us over an interesting rating. That is not what I was talking awesome. about. Well, that's what I was talking about. All right, anyway, so the, the, a long bamboo, whatever, stick, uh-huh. not so awesome. Why can't he use his bullet-deflecting razor hands to chop off a series of punji sticks that can be thrown, perhaps, all at the same time at the three gunmen that can then be incapacitated? I don't know. That sounds like a much better plan that could have been contemplated without the the goodwill hunting graphics floating over his head somehow. I bet that sounds would have been boring. Boring? Yeah, it's boring. Him karate chopping a series of incredibly sharp thrown objects off of this giant piece of wood yeah. that are then thrown at these three people, that would have been boring to you. Face to face. you got to be face to face. Oh, has you to be, can be face to face. There has to be peril. In fact, you'd have to be. But as a matter of fact, what if in one hand he he's had got the to remainder right of the there. stick and he goes, look at what I was able to science together, boys. I'm going to have to stick it to you. And the, you see all three of them kind of scooby-doo looking at each other. Bull? Bull? And then he throws the sticks. You're telling me that that's less entertaining than the crap that we got inside this episode at this point. Uh, Wait, your indecision is is no, absolute acceptance. That's fine because your way just seems a little bit. It's the opposite. Entertaining? It, no, it's not entertaining to me. That sounds goony. It sounds goony. Being able it to does throw sound th- goony. Being able to throw things with your superhuman you don't have time set, to do that with your superhero throwing skill set. He doesn't have time to do that. He absolutely has time. Time freezes. How? Time freezes in front of whenever the hell he's interacting with anything. When he goes to the bathroom. Time stops and he's able to contemplate whether or not his reaching it up three centimeters is going to matter and splash on the background. Time not. doesn't freeze to where he can go and you make some that. shit. You don't know that. You're not there, man. Yeah, I'm you not there. You weren't even there, I'm man. I'm not there. Exactly. I anyway, wasn't there. This is where the audience decides. But he still kicked their ass. Silence. But he had to be in a close quarters fight No. for... Why? Let me finish. Right. Why? Because... Mr. Cartel had to hit him on the back of the head so he could get captured. I you have to move to the captured. story along. He has to get captured because then Gorgon gets to come in, save the day, and Gorgon and Karnak get to make up. They get to have that moment of, of family bonding where, no, it's okay. I'm sorry I was an asshole to you, Gorgon. Gorgon, oh, wow, well, I never really considered you an asshole, but thanks. We lose all of that if Gorgon doesn't save Karnak. Uh, Again, I'm not saying it's good. Well, I'm just explaining I, I, why I, it I, had to happen. I am saying that it's bad, and I'm telling you that a better way to have done it would have been to make some sort of longer-range throwing weapon, and then uh, fine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go, hold, hold on. You know what? Go Actually, ahead this, and catch that, Karnak. That should have been your rewind rewrite right there. I, I've forgotten what that is because of all the <laughs> intense, all of the intense detail that we're going into inside of this incredibly engaging television program. Oh. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, versus long-range weapons, i.e. firearms, I vote for something that is not a short-range weapon like a giant stick. Period, paragraph. Insert the tone. <laughs> Stopping to storytell. Again and again and again. You and I have been reviewing enough stuff during the span of not just Marvel stuff, not just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but a variety of other things across feature films, television, and streaming services. Uh -huh. And one of the things you and I always tell people that are considering either making or participating inside of any one of those is being able to storytell effectively. There's nothing more important. All this speaks to pace. And what this episode, without question, is missing is a sense of pace. Mm. The pieces, parts that are storytelling elements, and there are a bunch of them inside of this. Oh, yeah. I'm not telling anybody that the story here is not there. It is. There's all kinds of storytelling going on here. The arrival of Mr. Cartel. I'm thankful for that. The faster you can get us off of whatever the hell's going on with the ganja farm. Burn I'm, it. Yeah, burn it all. Burn it all. Awesome. Yes, get us the hell off of it. Fine. But get us there by storytelling effectively and move. That's not what happens inside of this episode. And this little section here mm -hmm. inside this episode is where I notice it terribly. Because there's inserted storytelling for inserted storytelling's sake rather than propelling the story. Okay. There's a difference between those two. Talking tech. It's not every time, in particular inside of a reasonably bad episode that we're talking about here, that we get to talk about talking tech. Mm -hmm. It's where Nick and I recognize a piece of technology, something technologically based inside the episode, that makes our collective night fantastic. This time, it's the hologram on the moon. It's a very short series. It seems reasonably stupid. The special effects are not particularly high-end. But when you compare it to what you see inside of, I think, every single Star Wars instance, I thought it was a reasonably effective hologram that we saw here. And that we see that, but we can't see something decent on the descriptive display inside the comlink stuffs. I thought that was a tilt, but I really like this. The, the hologram spinny thing, but they're showing the... Right, right. Well, I mean, it's a little bit bigger. It's about the size of a, a tablet, a handheld tablet. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and it also looks like it has a 3D... Element. function yeah. besides just showing the hologram of yeah. the it's, human that they want to use yeah. to go down to earth and really and what it becomes is it, right it's it's essentially uh it's an exposition device it, literally you you go okay we are looking for nicholas j hearn he looks like this and is wearing a checkered shirt with a backwards facing hat and up pops Nick, nicholas j hearn rotating hologram thing the last time that he was seen was inside of the the two guys talking podcast network in downtown St. Louis. Right, right. And it brings right. open a spinny 3D bird's eye view of the building here. And then it shows doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, you coming out of your car and going. I do not walk like that, Mike. <laughs> you do. You do. And, you, and it opens up the door and it locks behind you, of course. And then it zooms in and gets you coming through the, the front foyer. And then it has you coming around the corner of the door with the doors locked. This is locked some sophisticated like, stuff right it, it's here. It's pretty sophisticated, and it's something I would have loved to have seen inside this episode to make it more entertaining. The, the thing is, though, <laughs> is that this technology is no different than what I've seen Tony Stark use. Yeah. Well, so, it, it, and, and, that's, and that's a problem for me because this is a society that's hidden away on the moon. Maybe maybe Tony's interests have been in the moon. Oh. Uh, 
Maybe they, they just robbed the tech. They have leftover Cree technology stuff. It should be a little bit more sophisticated than what we've seen used uh, uh, in, in regular Marvel You and I properties. are on the same page there. I, I vote for that with all of the, the clothing, the yeah, lighting yeah, sources yeah. inside the place, all of that. All that should be an alien tech, something that we're not used to seeing. And I do remember talking about that inside the, the set creation. We talked about it inside the first couple episode yeah, reviews. Yeah. And I just I don't see it returning to that. It j- jumps back to something really stage-looking. That's where we ask you guys, what did you find inside this episode that was worth talking tech? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click the contact button on the top right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Gleefully, it's time to go to break. During this episode review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Focus on the Inhumans. Episode 5, something... We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, Those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Trying to navigate the many genres and subgenres of horror can be like trying to perform an autopsy with no medical degree. You're not going to get very far, and you're going to make a mess try. Do everyone a favor. Hand the scalpels over to two guys talking horror, and let them make the first incision while dissecting the genres of horror. Only from twoguystalkinghorror.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Mike Wilkerson from the 24 Podcast here. There's only one place on the internet I go for 24 Legacy fans. It's 24LegacyFans.com. It's the best, most vibrant Facebook community for 24 Legacy fans ever. 24LegacyFans.com. That's 24LegacyFans.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com
Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of everything Marvel, with the exception of that Inhumans... Episode 5. Every time we come back for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, we open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where we find something inside this episode to focus on and showcase to our audience, whether it be an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, or something else that's tripped our collective review night fantastique. Nick, what's in your caca dossier? Well, as a reviewer, I believe that it's very important to point out positives and negatives to help the people who create these shows and they tell these stories to help create a roadmap to where they can do better. And I feel that if when we focus on nothing but the negative, uh, we, we forget the positive. There are positive things in this episode. They're few and far between. My Shield dossier is going to have some positives. So this episode, My Shield dossier is filled with Hot Hand Samoan Joe. <laughs> awesome. awesome. I'm throwing HHSJ into the dossier because during the episode, we've got the remaining members of the uh, not-so-motley inhuman crew. Uh, after the explosion, uh, traipsing through the jungle with... Uh, there's hot handsome Owen Joe all tied up in vines. Mm-hmm. Flora has has wrapped him up in some vines and uh and Mortis is just walking him through the jungle. And finally, uh HHSJ decides, well, he's had enough of this and uh, uses uses his powers and uh, burns the vines and starts running. Okay, now here's <laughs> I like this I like the guy who's playing this character. He's an interesting character. I, I haven't been bored anytime he's on screen and he's talking and he's giving me something to work with. But but he's not really a man of action. You know, I'm a big guy, so I understand that running through the jungle when you're a big guy, you're not going to get very far. So the funny, the, 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 the simple fact that when he does take off and, and you, Mortis... You, you waitist. Yes, I'm a waitist. <laughs> Screw anorexia. <laughs> when when HHSJ takes off and and Mortis turns around, he actually tilts his head and goes, "Really? <laughs> that was funny." In an episode just filled with what the hell and really, that was that that was a nice moment to where it it lifted me up and I actually got a chuckle. And then when they stop him, when they recapture him, Mortis even calls him out on his hot hands. So I feel validated <laughs> since I created the term hot hand Samoan Joe way back when we first started this podcast. A little bit of levity is in my shield dossier. An interesting selection inside this episode for sure. My shield dossier is ridiculously overflowing with why do we care? Why do we care about any of these characters right now. Because whenever I get to the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier point, I, inevitably what happens is, 
I have this little chalk list of characters inside the episode. We we kind of glanced on this during the last episode. Right, yes. I think it was very helpful. I thought it was incredibly helpful. In fact, so much so that let's take a look at the chalk list inside of the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers for Mike Wilkerson. Oh, God. First, we have Crystal. Crystal, who's having a blue tide moment out on Waikiki Beach someplace with Super Dave, whoa. Yes, welcome to the Blue Lagoon, Crystal. But my family, we'll find them just... Chill. Chill. Woo, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so Crystal written off, going to have some fun in the surf while the sun goes down. Right, okay. Lots of focus on family there. And by the way, let's get Lockjaw out of the way. Hey, hey. We've already talked about Lockjaw. He's a tired puppy dog. Whatever. Whatever. He needs to rebuild his strength so that he can pour it again. I would go back to something that you've shared about Lockjaw in that while, yes, we do get to see some crotch licking, tail wagging, (laughs) we get to see all that and that he is acting like a dog. It's a person. It was a dude. And that there can't can't be any commonsensical determinations in that rather than traipsing around the island with Super Dave Super Dude to... Do something rather than tire me out. We should be going someplace where we can find out where somebody is. That's not the case. In fact, you know why it's not the case? Because. Oh, and splashy splash inside of the inside of the ocean. Awesome. Great job, Crystal. Medusa. Great interpreting skills this episode. Man. Now what? Man. Man. Nothing. Our favorite black bolt that typically I would use until last. What's he doing inside this episode? I'm saying all kinds of sentences in sign language, but nobody can interpret me, so I guess it doesn't matter. Gorgon. What's Gorgon doing inside this episode? Saving the day. I'm saving the day. I guess. I guess. Yay. Imagine if we'd hey, had some sort of Hey, at least he put down the damn body. Hey. You know what? He, f- he finally put down the body. Oh, a score for him. So Let's that's, bury that's the up. dead guy. Great that's work. That's an up. All right, so I guess Gorgon gets the score point of the entire episode and cast. Awesome. <laughs> Let's jump to Maximus, because why not jump to Maximus? Lame. I mean, he is lame inside of this episode. His power to call and rain doom on people, it doesn't mean anything. There's nothing going on here that showcases him as a powerhouse of anything. He can't even get people to call him by the right title without telling him what he wants to be called. Blah! Karnak. Deflecty bullet. Whoops! Sorry about your liver. And what else? Dispatching three drug dudes. Right? I think it was more than three. Might have been four. Possibly even five. Oh, well, five. Maybe we should watch the episode again. (laughs) Maybe I could remember. Oh, no, I don't think that I can. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with all of this listing of what the characters did this episode. The answer to the question, why do we care... I don't think we really care. I really don't. It, uh, th- this falls squarely into the the sad perspective of the Voyager perspective. I.e., look at the starship hurtling through space. They're on their way to the next adventure. <laughs> Although it would make it sound in space. Right, I get that. But we don't care. But, uh, but we don't see, care. My well, my, I do care about Voyager. I liked Voyager. Okay, that's good. Not all of it, but I liked most of it. Right. 
But it, it falls squarely into the ask, same category. You ask, you, this is your dossier, but you ask a question, and I'll answer the question. Right. Why do we care? Well, obviously, you don't care. You 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 don't care. There's nothing they're giving you no. to care. No, I get that. No, Zero. I totally get that. I want to care because these characters should be as important as Tony Stark, Thor, David Bruce Banner, Phil Coulson, Melinda May. They should be as important and handled with the same respect that those other characters have been yeah. handled. Yeah, what you're looking for is compelling. The, and we're be, not and the thing nothing. is, we're not getting that. No. But this is still a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It'll fit in somewhere. The problem is now is that with this being such a lackluster and, and not even lackluster, there's no luster at all. It's just a limp noodle. There's still 3 episodes left and I'm pretty sure it's going to be limp noodle 3 episodes. But because it ties in somewhere, I'm sure there's going to be at least some reference to it, and then it'll be forgotten. We'll just, we'll just, we'll never talk about that again. Which is sad because these characters, or at least the versions of the characters that I know, are compelling and are epic, and they should be treated as such. Yeah. But sadly, that is not what we are getting here. I, I, I think the, the, the biggest piece and the last piece of my dossier inside of this is until this most recent season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we meet Ghost Rider, uh-huh. other than the reasonably lame movie offerings, I really had no context of Ghost Rider. I mean, like, at all. Right, okay, yeah. Ghosty, motorcycle, ridey, flaming head guy. Yes, I remember that. The flying chains, remember that. I remember the... The reasonably interesting parts of both feature films that were offered, they give you some vision of what and who is Ghost Rider. Okay. But then they're able to bring it to life inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for me, where I really do care. And I am compelled to know what's going on with the character right now, but what will eventually happen with the character. Like, is he going to come back? Well, he did come back. And when he did come back, I felt that there was something being given to us. At this point, I feel nothing is being given at all by any of these characters to us as a watching audience. Mm. If we run in reverse back through the list and we take away any of the characters, which character disappears that you have a problem with? Maybe Black Bolt? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you start to doubt what's going on inside of this show. Yeah, yeah. That's where we ask you guys, what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier, if anything? Whether it's good or bad, let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating. Where television series come to live or die. The scale works thusly. Ten... Cackling caca, not so much inside this episode. A one, mm, looking pretty shiny inside this episode. Everything starts at a seven as an average, as did this episode, believe it or not. Everything goes up with positives, everything goes now with negatives. I did inside this episode. And Nick, there are no halvesies. What do you got, Nick? I obviously did not hate this episode as much as you. This actually, there were there were some high moments. In Episodist. This 
Yes, I'm an episodist as well. <laughs> uh, unlike last week's episode, uh, last week's episode was uh, 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 there's there's nothing good that can be said about the previous episode. This episode, there were at least moments, uh, plot points were carried on, not very far. I enjoyed learning more about the fact that Medusa's parents led a revolt. They were banished. Then shortly after that, Black Bolt killed his parents, smushed him into, you know, yelled him into oblivion. And the two of them found each other or started being together because they were all by themselves. Okay, I, I get that. That's an interesting, it, it paints an interesting picture to the dynamic of what their relationship was when they first started. I still kind of hold out this uh, idea that maybe there was some there was some malice in the beginning. I think that would be m- more entertaining to know that Medusa started being nice and, and getting close to Black Bolt simply because she wanted revenge for her parents. And then it turns out she falls in love with him. That's a compelling story to me. Yes, I agree with that. But of course, you know, we're not we're not going to get that. And if we do, it won't happen until the last damn episode. Last five minutes of the last, last five episode. minutes of the episode. Yeah, the fifteen second teaser at the end of the last episode that may allude to a second season that will never come. Which was also crappy inside this episode. The conversation about being better rulers from Locust. That, that's important, and you can actually see that it upset Black Bolt to think that his subjects look at him in a not so pleasant light. I'm hoping that before the end of this show, that plot point will be resolved. That was a high point. Uh, Mortis and Hot Hand Simone Joe, little bit of levity. That was a high point. But again, there's a lot of. A lot of speed bumps in this episode as well. So I'm going to continue with the trend, and I'm rating this episode a five. Release your white-hot hate, (laughs) Wilkerson. The value of reviewing a program like Marvel's Inhumans is that it's supposed to expose us to characters, one that we really have not ever seen before. Checkbox. You're showcasing us characters we've never seen before. Checkbox. Got it. The other thing that it's supposed to provide us is interesting perspective on storytelling we also haven't seen before. This is a story we've never seen before. I agree. Mm -hmm. We've never had a ganja farm be essentially the centerpiece for an episode of anything. Checkbox. I will give you that. We are supposed to be compelled to want to come back to the next episode. And I can, without a doubt, tell you that there's nothing inside this episode where I stopped, if I needed to pause this and lean over to somebody and go, you know, I've got to know what happens during the next episode. I don't have it. There's nothing inside this episode at all that provides me with compelling lean to come back and watch the next episode, except that I want to provide an educational reference to the value and or not value of watching this program in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not good, dude. 
that's not what we're supposed to be getting inside of something that has the Marvel red sticker on it inside of a television show that is the same delivery mechanism that we get something as quality as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. Yeah. It's not. Some of you will say that, well, wait a second, so you're comparing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Inhumans? Absolutely. If there was ever a conversation anywhere inside of any echelon of the people that create this series, and it was said that, well, you know, that that's going to be awesome. I just, I don't think it's going to work inside the budget constraints. If those words were ever said inside of this series, this should have never been jumped into. You cannot make epic storytelling about people from the moon and not expect some foundational budget expenditure. You can't. Regardless of how many of the eight episodes they spend inside of Hawaiian Paradise, you've got to have some inkling of what's going to happen there. Or maybe you don't. Because it feels like nobody's at the wheel here. What, what is the general goal right now? The family wants to find all the other family members, and then what are they going to do? They want to ascend back to the moon and duke it out with super-duper brother Maximus, right? Yeah. Basically, that that's, seems to be the plan. Okay. So if that was the plan, how about instead of traipsing across Hawaii to find the number one nookie-nookie beach inside of Waikiki, let's go find the family. Because maybe that's a little bit more important. That sounds like a good, compelling point to me. But the writers didn't think so. I get it. I'm not going to like every single writing point inside of every single episode of every single television program. I get all that. That's fine. Now, how about the bad guys? What are the bad guy or bad guy plans, I guess, in this case? Got to get rid of the former the former royalty staff, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a goal? Uh, well, depending on who he's talking to. It's never supposed to be this, I don't know where to step on the gas pedal for this show. I, I, don't, I don't care if Maximus wins, quote-unquote. I don't care if the people never get back to the moon. I don't care, dude. Well, let me ask you this. Any of it. Has Maximus conveyed any sort of malice, white-hot hate towards his family that you have seen while we've watched this show? Other than saying the words, kill him, to the doctor, who clearly wasn't going to kill him, no. In fact, inside this episode, maybe the only semblance of maybe positive was when we finally meet the gray robe dudes inside this episode. Ah, the people who also want Maximus Insurrection, right. That might have been the only interesting piece of this episode where I go, oh, oh, wait a minute. Might this be a Red Rain moment in the future episode? But then I think to myself, wait a second. So we're going to kill Maximus and that's going to be the cool part of this series? No. No, I, 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 God, I hope they don't do that. Well, me too. That would be stupid. But what, uh, so what is the win on the moon? The family reascends to the moon, they kick Maximus's ass, and he goes into a prison vault? Is that the win? Basically. And then they try to be a better royal family. Maybe try to work on fixing the caste system. I think had we spent more time in Adelan, understanding it before we were thrown into this wackadoo situation on Earth, I think we would care more. Mm. Not only that, I think we would we would we would understand more 
and we would care. Any uh, at, at any shred, maybe just a shred or a whole hell of a lot. Who knows? But at least maybe we would care. And again, I go back to we don't know these. We didn't know these characters well enough before this story started to care about them. Sure, we got one episode of oh, so this is how they are on the moon. Oh, well, we're, there's seven different characters. How how are we supposed to fill all this in? And then all of a sudden, boom. The majority of them either on the on Earth with no powers or sleepy time nap nap in the big room or no you go to your room and you don't come out till you tell me I'm your king. You don't get to know anybody, so then they go through all this hardship and you're still not getting to know anybody. When that's very accurate, and what has happened over the episodes that that has happened is my interest in caring is gone i mean i understand there's nothing left for any of these characters with again perhaps the exception of the doctor maybe who was just performing random experiments on people because they were quote dead oh we'll have it the bodies because they're dead awesome I, you know, and science. I, I, I didn't even have a problem with that at the beginning because I thought, okay, well, here's the character arc that we'll see of the Doctor, where it all started innocent. We talked about it last episode, uh-huh. and then it kind of skews into it's not so innocent because he's got to find the reason of things, and now the reason of things can be why he has a spinning, spiraling character arc. But that sounds pretty awesome, but none of that was stoked. None yeah. of it. None of it. Uh, you get to the end of the episode, we're given what is a reasonably, you know, ending prologue on the end of what happens that if it wasn't there, would any of us care? Probably not. Uh, the the uh, I think what really made it awkward inside of our presentation here inside the, the studio in downtown St. Louis, when we bring open Hulu content, it doesn't play commercials, and I'm not entirely sure why. That doesn't mean it's commercial-less. It just says... We cannot convey the episode to this sponsor. I've forgotten what the actual words are. But what that means is that we have a break, and then there's one screen where nothing plays and nothing is heard, and then it instantly snaps back. When you instantly snap back for that worthless nine seconds of content, it really is worthless. It's, it's, it's one of the m- most mind-numbing pieces of Marvel content that I've seen in a long time, where you can just go, what does that have to do with anything? What did that just convey that we care about? Yeah. And the answer is I don't. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, for the first time in Two Guys Talking History, with maybe the exception of an, a Dexter episode season, I'd have to go back and look. But for the first time that I can remember in modern history of Two Guys Talking, here's your second consecutive one. Pull up the stick, for God's sake. Someone find the quality switch, flip the switches, and grab the stick. Because we are just on a, a mind-numbing spiral into the tarmac. And that they've already... Oh, the episode's already filmed. They're already in the can. They're ready to be conveyed over the next three weeks. So I don't know what exactly... You know, what... I don't know exactly what to, to look for or want. Mm. But I know that I don't want this. That's where we ask you guys. What did you think of this episode? Episode... Five of Marvel's Inhumans on ABC and Hulu streaming. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. 
take a moment and put some thought and dialogue into some good constructive criticism, either of our program, our thoughts, or the program. Because remember, if you don't say something, what will be gotten inside of the next season of general content is going to be only as good as what you guys see here. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication. <laughs>